Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Can you believe it's the last day of August? When did that happen? Well, apparently way too quickly. Hope you're having a good one anyway. It's Thursday, the 31st of August, 2023. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN. And we are keeping our eye on what's happening on the southeastern coast and Praying for uh, folks greatly impacted. I believe two people have lost their lives because of the storm, Idalia, and we're still very concerned about the fallout and also what's going to be happening in other parts of the southeast, including Georgia and North and South Carolina. We'll have updates, of course, in our newscast this morning on Catholic Connection, but please stay tuned to all of our news programs, including, of course, EWTN News Nightly with the lovely Tracy Sabal, and then, of course, Raymond Arroyo, The World Over, EWTN News In-Depth, and keep up to date always at EWTN.com and all of our other online and printed outlets online, including Catholic News Agency and the National Catholic Register. Coming up on the program, speaking of all things EWTN, the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacwa will be joining us. I'm sure you may have seen, if not, we'll have a link to it on the archive section after the program will link to the discussion or the basis of the discussion. There is a very in-depth story that Catholic News Agency did recently, speaking of our news outlets, regarding this major push for abortion and a big ad campaign that's coming up, millions of dollars, and the president is leading the charge. So how are we as Catholics to respond? Well, obviously we support pro-life organizations. We pray, pray, pray for an end to abortion. But the other aspect I think that is super important and that we'll discuss with the good Padre is the opportunity for one-on-one witness about the truth of what's going on. Because for the vast, I would say, large amounts of the media, not all media, because not all even in the secular media are bad people. Uh, There's agendas, yes, and obviously there's tons and tons of issues with that, which we talk about regularly. Some are trying to do their jobs, but they just don't have much backing. And I know this from friends of mine that still work in the secular media, and it's getting increasingly difficult. But they're not telling the truth about what the pro-aborts support and how extreme they are on abortion. This came out last week, the GOP debate, when Governor DeSantis reminded the country of just how extreme those who are behind legalized abortion truly are in terms of many of those on the left running for office supporting abortion through nine months of pregnancy, no apologies, abortion on demand. Now, this has been a standard operating procedure for them for years. But when that got out there in the national media and international media, because, of course, it was the first GOB debate, and many people on both sides of the aisle were watching that debate, then there were also a lot of opinion folks in the media and others, even news media, who quickly went to the defense of these liberal candidates and these liberal Politicians. Oh, no, that's not the case. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Roe v. Wade gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy. When it was overturned with the Dobbs decision last June, pro-aborts went nuts. And many of the politicians, and even an attorney who was involved in developing the Dobbs case, is now being targeted. Interestingly enough, Catholic News Agency is another story they had. So we need to know the facts. 
And it's fairly easy to find out where politicians stand. You can go on their websites and you can see their platforms. And DeSantis's office actually put together a brilliant clip of a variety of politicians being asked directly where they stand on abortion and showing how they say no limits, no limits, no limits between a woman and a doctor, no limits, no limits, no limits. So we need to understand what's going on here. And we have to be educated in these issues. And that's why we're always saying do your homework and research, especially before you go out to vote. So Father Mitch Pacwa joining us at 15 minutes past the hour. And then, speaking of doing our homework and education, we can never learn enough about our beautiful one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. Mike Aquilina will be joining us. He has some more books, a follow-up volume from the Fathers of the Faith series. So excited. Two more. And we'll talk about the particular two saints that are featured, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Mike Aquilina is just wonderful, of course, well-known to our EWTN viewers and does such a great work of educating us on the early church and beyond, of course. So that is our show for today on a busy Thursday morning. All right, we're also, as we mentioned right at the top, we're washing, watching, I should say, excuse me, the storm down in Florida. Now it's moved out of Florida. It's been downgraded to a tropical storm, but that doesn't mean there aren't still a lot of problems. Here's what the National Weather Service is talking about, and we'll have, again, an update in just a second in the news. The tropical storm Idalia is tracking offshore today, but heavy rain, strong winds, coastal impacts, and rip currents remain a big concern across the middle Atlantic and southeastern portions of the nation. In other weather news, we have heat expanding across the plains, the upper Midwest, and the mid-Atlantic region throughout the Weekend and dry and breezy conditions are also going to raise fire weather concerns for the lower Mississippi Valley, the Intermountain West, and even Hawaii. So that's the weather for you. And if you look at the weather map, by the way, on the National Weather Service website, it's pretty scary. You can see this big blotch of red now moved out of Florida and is uh, covering a good portion of the southeastern states. So we'll do our best to keep you updated all day long every day as we do here on EW10 with everything that's happening in and beyond. So let's do that right now. Six minutes past the hour. It's the last day of August, August 31st, 2023. Well, a Massachusetts District Judge yesterday, as Catholic News Agency reports, dismissing criminal charges against former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. The criminal charges involve the sexual assault and abuse of a minor that were dismissed after a judge ruled the 93-year-old McCarrick was not mentally competent to stand trial. McCarrick, the disgraced former Archbishop of Washington, D.C., was facing three counts of indecent assault and battery on a person over the age of 14, relating to allegations that he abused a teen who was a family friend at a wedding ceremony back in the 70s. He was once a powerful figure in the church and in political circles, and around the world, McCarrick formally removed from the clerical state by Pope Francis back in 2019. However, CNA reports criminal sexual assault charges filed against McCarrick in Wisconsin in April are still pending, as are a number of civil lawsuits. Well, the arm of St. Jude, a relic of one of our Lord's closest collaborators, will be touring the U.S. for several months starting next month. That's according to a Catholic evangelization ministry, and it was announced this week. Father Carlos Martins, a director of the ministry Treasures of the Church, telling EWTN News Nightly host Tracy Saval on Monday that the relic is coming to America for a nine-month tour with its first stop set for St. John Cassius Parish in Chicago. That happens on September 9th. It's the first time the arm of the saint, the major relic of St. Jude, has left Italy, Martins said, 
In a press release on Monday, Treasures of the Church saying the tour offers a unique opportunity for devotees and the curious alike to experience a connection with one of the most venerated figures in Christian history. In other news, of course, the big story, the hurricane now tropical storm. The Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, says Idalia hit his state very hard. Significant damage throughout the Big Bend region, uh, but the response has been swift and people are getting help. Uh, accordingly, the search and rescue operations have been ongoing from the moment that the storm passed. There is an awful lot of debris to clean up, according to the governor. He reported that more than 200,000 power outages were taking place as of Wednesday evening, so a lot of folks without power. DeSantis adding that more than half of school districts, though, that were closed due to the storm could reopen today. The storm making landfall as a hurricane, but again has now been downgraded. The National Hurricane Center in Miami reporting the center of the tropical storm is heading toward the coast of North Carolina and is expected near Bermuda by the weekend. The former hurricane, though, still packing maximum sustained winds of nearly 60 miles an hour. Now, the damage caused by the tropical storm in Florida is really not yet known. Hurricane specialist Brian Norcross says that storm surge could be a lot worse. than people. We think. don't really know how much neighborhood damage there was. Because remember, storm surge is salt water. You put salt water into neighborhoods, you destroy cars, you destroy electricity, electrical systems and stuff like that. Norcross also says he's concerned about storm surge in the Carolinas. Meanwhile, tropical storm Idalia triggering life-threatening flash floods in parts of eastern North Carolina. Julie Ainsley reports from Moorhead City. We've seen a lot of flooding throughout the Carolinas, and that remains the biggest fear here. There was some wind, wind that even toppled cars on the highway in South Carolina, but really the fear here is that storm surge. Luckily, their high tide was last night. The storm that came on shore is a Category 3 again in Florida, now a tropical storm. But a reminder, it still has sustained winds of 60 miles an hour. In other news this morning on a Thursday, the mayor of Vivaldi, Texas, slamming the district attorney in charge of investigating last year's school shooting. He's alleging there's a cover-up. There are suggestions the DA's chief investigator was actually on site the day that 19 students and two teachers were murdered. The Nigerian high court granting a restraining order for a teen Christian convert Alliance Defending Freedom, as Catholic News Agency explains, International says the 18-year-old's father and brother have been threatening to kill her for leaving the Islamic religion. ADF officials say the team was smuggled to safety in a Christian community by her mother. According to Open Doors Nigeria, still one of the most dangerous countries for Christians, ADF International saying more than 5,000 Christians were killed for their faith last year across the world, and Nigerians constituted 90% of those deaths. A North Carolina district attorney will not pursue the death penalty for the man accused in the deadly shooting at UNC Chapel Hill. 34-year-old Tai Lei Chi is being held without bond after he was formally charged with murder during his first court appearance yesterday. He's accused of killing a faculty member who also served as his academic advisor. And firefighters who actually work to fight wildfires face great risks on the job, including exposure to chemicals and particles in smoke. Deanna Kodak explains. Researchers across California say more has to be done to study the health impacts of wildfire smoke and protect those who protect us. As we have an increasing number of 
wildfires of greater intensity and of longer duration, it really becomes important. That's Dr. Kent Pinkerton, a professor at the UC Davis School of Medicine. He says studying smoke and its risks is crucial to understanding what can be done to mitigate and help reduce the risk of the occupation. Pinkerton says there are no long-term studies on the impacts of smoke exposure, but limited studies have shown firefighters may be at higher risk for respiratory illness, cardiovascular illness, and even cancer. A California mall planning to have children and teens wear ID tags featuring their names and contact information for their parents. This after a mess in California at the Moreno Valley Mall last weekend. Surveillance footage from Sunday showing three fights breaking out among teens. Hundreds of folks were at the mall for National Cinema Day taking advantage of $4 movie tickets. The shopping center was temporarily shut down, temporarily shut down until police could get control of that situation. Something else happened at another mall in that area where hundreds of teens brawled then on Sunday night. And kids who go to the Moreno Valley Mall with a parent will not have to wear an ID tag. Lisa Taylor tells us American Airlines flight attendants are authorizing a strike. The Association of Professional Flight Attendants has voted overwhelmingly in favor of a work stoppage and plans to demonstrate at 12 airports. The union says members have been asking the airline for better pay and improvements to staff onboarding for years. While the union is in favor of striking, members will remain at work until the strike is approved by the National Mediation Board. The number of job openings in the U.S. on the decline. New government figures show less than 9 million openings in July, indicating the labor market is cooling. The number of workers who quit their jobs falling to 3.5 million, which is the lowest since nearly 2021. Professional and business services, health care, and state and local government saw the biggest decrease in jobs openings last month. And as Trey Thomas tells us, there's been another public health scare for GOP Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell appears to have had another freeze moment where he suddenly stopped speaking at a press conference. Did you hear the question, Senator, running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all, we're going to need a minute. This latest episode happened Wednesday in Covington, Kentucky. A similar freeze moment happened in July during a weekly Republican leadership news conference. The cost of using an ATM machine, yep, it's going up again. Much like health insurance, if you go outside the network and make an ATM withdrawal, it's going to cost you more. That's Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride, who says ATM fees can cost as much as $6. Are you kidding me? Nope, that's what it says, $6, because a bank assesses a fee, and so does the owner of the actual machine. Bankrate has been surveying financial institutions for 25 years, and the current bank-only surcharge has risen to $3.15, beating last year's record by a penny. And speaking of pennies, you're going to need a lot of them if you want to live in the Big Apple. Renting a one-bedroom apartment in New York City is far more expensive than any other city in the country. According to a new study, get this, the median cost of a one-bedroom in New York City is just under $4,000 at $3,990. The rent is just too high. You really got to have high income. I am really shocked at the price of rent right now these days, but you got to live. It's the greatest city in the world, so there's just always stuff to do. That's the price that we have to pay for it, or we don't have to, but we do. Meantime, the median price of a two-bedroom unit is $4,500. The second highest medium rents are just across the river in Jersey City, with a one-bedroom apartment costing $3,280. 
San Francisco rounds out the top three but barely breaks a $3,000 price tag with Boston and Miami rounding out the top five. 15 minutes past the hour. Hope you're having a beautiful Thursday morning and praying for those who are impacted by, which is now a tropical storm, Idalia. Keep a watch on that for you, but please stay tuned to all of our news outlets at EWTN and Ave Maria Radio for the latest information. Always an honor to have the amazing Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN on with us for our Cultural Connections on Thursday. Gives us insight on how to stand up against the culture and most recently, a pretty sad, I guess it's not surprising, but in some ways it's, it's very shocking in terms of this campaign that pro-aborts are going to be pushing lots of money. I mean, we're talking multi-million dollar campaign and the president is right behind it, actually leading the charge in terms of abortion. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Eighteen minutes past the hour. Hope we're having a beautiful Thursday heading into Labor Day weekend. Father Mitch Pacwa with us, of course, from EW10, not an author, speaker, scripture scholar. Father, real quickly, how was the how was the family celebration over the weekend? I imagine it was great, huh? Yeah, it was. It, it really was wonderful. We met a lot of uh, folks from all over the country. They, they came from as far away as California. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, up and down the East Coast as well, in the center of the country. So it was it was delightful. And um, it was a, a, the focus on the Eucharist uh, was in line with the American bishops uh, dealing with these uh, the concerns for the lack of uh, or the decrease and decline in Eucharistic faith mm-hmm. in practice. So this, we, we're trying to support the bishops on that. 
and I think it went extremely well. People were very, very happy. Great, great. And again, that's people to keep in mind that every year when this comes around, it's really worth attending, especially when we can have it in the area of Birmingham because you're so close to mm-hmm. our headquarters and the shrine in Hansville. Okay, Father, the topic at hand today, why don't you get your perspective and insight in helping folks deal with this because this is just the beginning. We're not even technically into the election year yet, which is right around the corner, but we're already seeing these big pushes by various, uh, you know, efforts in terms of abortion and these other topics and a big story that made headlines this week and Catholic News Agency did a complete report on this. President Joe Biden's re-election campaign launching a $25 million ad campaign attacking uh, conservative candidates in the GOP for supporting modest limits on abortion even though his own party and the party's position of abortion up until birth is widely unpopular. So this is a statement that I'm reading from the article and from Catholic Vote which obviously issued a, a statement when this happened. So this is, is what is extremely, not only, I think, um, wrong, obviously, because of what we believe as Catholics, but we have so many Catholics, uh, and I know I was there for many years, who, who they don't really pay that much attention. They, they identify as Catholic, but they don't really understand or embrace the teachings, and they see something like this, Joe Biden, who identifies as a devout Catholic, getting behind this campaign, this is his campaign, and they mm-hmm. just kind of dismiss this core teaching regarding life. Yeah, there, there are a couple things uh, I, I think going on. You know, President Biden has a, a I think he, he tries to express a, a, a Catholic piety, but I think he sees his piety as a compartment of his life, and that what happens in politics and uh, is politics. And abortion is a political issue. He used to be pro-life, and then and he kept moving along with his party to, well, it should be rare but safe, to now it should be any time a woman wants it. Uh, it, it and... The other thing about this, it is an appeal to Americans' love for freedom. Americans love to have the choices. And that, that's, that, that's a simple reality. We love to have choices available to us and don't take them away. And that is how they are portraying the issue. Whereas the uh, Republicans are standing up for life, but they're not giving enough sense of the sympathy needed for the baby. They, you know, what's missing in this is there is a baby who is going to have his or her arms and legs cut off and their skull crushed. And I'm afraid that um, the uh, sympathy is with uh, you know, one group, and it's sympathy for the other group, namely the, the babies in the womb, is not portrayed. So people are saying, well, this is just an issue of freedom and not one of empathy with someone who's about to suffer tremendously you know and this is, that's what's what i think what has to be addressed 
you if you keep on making this a political issue to get votes when in the case of the democrats um you know president biden's administration is very far down on the economy no matter how much he tries to talk about bidenomics being so great people know that they're paying a lot of money for eggs and other issues and, and other goods i go to the store i see the prices um and you just have to say no to stuff that you didn't have to say no to before so uh, everybody is feeling especially those of us who want a fixed income um you know this this is the the reality so to distract from right. that, especially in states, notice that it's only a few states. Right. Arizona, Georgia, it's Michigan, state- Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin. Right. This is something that has, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to sway states that are on the edge. And pushing freedom is it. We have to emphasize, uh, you know, that there is sympathy for the woman. Uh, they, they, in their ad, they play a quote that President Trump, former President Trump, uh, had later repudiated that there should be punishment for the woman who gets an abortion. He later changed it. He's, he's someone who often is evolving his thought, right. not mm-hmm. reversing it. Uh, and so, but he's, you know, he changed that. But they put that in there to, to make people afraid. And this is what politicians do. They want people to be afraid of losing their freedom. And so we will protect it. Uh, Meanwhile, in Washington and New York and probably some other big cities, 60 percent of the children conceived get aborted. Get aborted. Father, I want to talk more. And 85 percent of the black kids. Exactly. I want to talk more also about what the ad is called. The campaign is called These Guys. And he's going after men who are pro-life, who are running for office, and particularly the president, and saying they shouldn't be involved in any of these decisions. Well, what is he doing? He's involved. How come that's okay? We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. Ah, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Awe. I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh yes, let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man. While the police were coming, the ambulance, they removed him from the church, he didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered, respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. When we ask our Father to give us this day our daily bread, are we merely asking for daily nourishment? We are, says the Catholic Catechism, indeed asking the Father who gives us life for the material and spiritual nourishment which life requires. 
But we are asking for much more. Those who seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, God has promised to give all else besides. Since everything belongs to God, he who possesses God possesses everything, if he himself is not found wanting before God. The drama of hunger in the world, therefore, calls upon all Christians to exercise responsibility toward their needy brethren, both in their behavior and in their solidarity with the human family. This petition also applies to another hunger from which people are perishing, thirst for the word of the Lord and for Catholics receiving his body in the Eucharist, which is our daily bread. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The campaign is called These Guys, and it was launched last week, running for two weeks in seven key states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin, and also targeting one state that former President Donald Trump nearly won back in 2020, North Carolina. Reproductive health care decisions are among the most personal a woman will ever make, the ad says. There are choices that should be made by you and your doctor. So, Father, as I said during the break, if I hear one more time this phrase, reproductive health care, now we're hearing with the whole transgender ideology, uh, gender-affirming care. This is all semantics, and this is how they play on the emotions and fears of people. But it's so hypocritical to sit there and say, you know, these guys shouldn't be involved in these decisions when, well, what is he doing? He's getting involved in these decisions. Yeah, I, just like Roe v. Wade was decided all by men. By men. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, again, waving banners to rally troops that don't apply to the real situation. That's, that's one of the things going on. And I think um, to, to have, a, 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 you know, to point this out uh, is, you know, they, they have to figure out how they are integrating the fact that men are involved. Um, as far as I know, uh, none of the babies that were conceived uh, were there without some aspect of the ma- a man being mm-hmm. involved, too, uh, even if he was not in the room, as with artificial insemination um, itself, something that's not particularly uh, good uh, at all. But and topic for another issue, uh, another time, with, especially with some doctors. But be that as it may, men are just about half the population. Men are involved in their children, and uh, more or less, for better and for worse, and they need to be part of it. This is just uh, silly talk to rally, uh, especially single women. There's another issue here, too. Mm-hmm. One of the issues that is going on is the breakdown of relationships and that of various aspects of career, for men and women alike in the abortion issue, aspects of career, of economic choices, rather than a relationship with the, the child is being emphasized. And this, uh, there's, there's a company that uh, does ultrasounds here in Birmingham, uh, the Her Choice Center, yep. which is what uh, the, 
uh, pro-life centers called her choice, uh, letting women see an ultrasound of the baby in the womb begins the relationship. They see it's not a blob of cells. It's not a blob. The baby has arms, legs, and a face. And they see the face, and they enter into the relationship. And what the rest of us ought to be doing is helping to foster that love Mm -hmm. between the mother and the child as something far more profound. Every single, uh, well, not every single, but most adults will retire and leave their work long before their child dies. They will have that child, God willing, into their old age. Their boss won't care. Even if you're the CEO, I've heard CEOs of great big companies that were getting all the best tables, the the limousines and all this, and once they're out of that position, they're dropped like a hot potato Mm. because nobody cares about them. But if they have their children and they build the love of their children, that child will be there into their old age. That's the kind of relationship that needs to be built between a woman and her child. And that needs to start when the child is still in the womb, rather than making that baby a career choice or a political banner. This is a human being. And we have to focus on the importance of that child who has an immortal soul. And that soul will be in heaven or hell someday. And if you end that life, I've oftentimes said this, uh, that Joe Biden and every one of these other politicians that keep promoting abortion, my picture of the judgment is that before they even get to the judgment seat of Christ, all of those babies that died because of their decisions might just meet them, those souls might meet them and ask, why did you let me die? Mm. I'm not just a, a, an image, a figure, a statistic. I'm me. Yeah. And why did you let me be murdered? And explain it to me. And you don't get any further to explain it to those kids. And then you meet up with Jesus. Wow. And these are the kids that I compare to the holy innocents mm-hmm. that died for our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to, to, when Herod came after right. them. Right. Joe Biden is Herod. Joe Biden is the Pharaoh killing the babies of Israel. This is an evil decision. As you see, uh, nobody says, well, Herod was just trying to protect political stability. Uh, Herod was just trying to keep his country for for his own people. You don't have empathy for Herod or Pharaoh killing innocent children. I don't have any sympathy with any politician that votes for abortion. Father, let me ask you a question. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, our Thursday Cultural Connections with Father Mitch Pacwa talking about a big story that, that broke in the Catholic world uh, earlier this week regarding an ad campaign of Joe Biden for his re-election in 2024 uh, built around mm-hmm. abortion. And these guys, 
wasn't it? I found it very compelling and from a spiritual perspective, very, I think, interesting that last week when DeSantis pointed out during the GOP debate just how many politicians support. And let's be honest, there, there are plenty of politicians on both sides of the aisle that support abortion. Absolutely. So we want to make, to make that very clear. But what he was Absolutely. saying about the different people running for president on the other side um, in, in, diff- in the different party, you had the Republicans last week, the Democrats. When he was talking about abortion through nine months of pregnancy, which is absolutely true that these candidates, including Joe Biden, are on the record supporting this, especially with Roe v. Wade, wasn't it, I thought, interesting how so many of them, including the media, rallied around and they, and, you know, they circled the wagons, oh, that's not true, that's not true. Wait a minute, why? If you we are, have you know, the tapes. Right, well, we have the tapes, but it's like, why won't they just say, look, this is what we support. We think it should be, through, which they say on the record. It's very interesting that now they're saying, oh, this isn't true, especially people like Jen Psaki, who worked, of course, as his press secretary earlier. Oh, nobody believes that. Nobody is campaigning on that. Nobody supports that. Well, what was Roe v. Wade? Yeah, yeah, and if, uh, well, not, not only that, um, but they have said that they support it. And we have to keep them, their feet to the fire on that and not let them try to fool people. And do I have a quick minute? Nope, we're, we're done. I have to save it for next week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we need an hour, a full hour with you, Father Mitch. You're amazing. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to all of his great programs at EW10. Continuing this conversation next week, God willing, Cultural Connections with Father Mitch. I'll be right back. Father Benedict Rochelle. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life lives of unborn children. And he got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Miracles are miracles because they're different than regular daily life. A miracle is a reminder that something beyond nature can act within nature. Miracles are meant to open our eyes that more is always going on than just the normal humdrum of the daily life. Miracles are supposed to make us realize that our moral choices are impacting an invisible world that once in a while breaks through into our workaday world. The Blessed Mother predicted the miracle of the sun, and she made it clear that she was using it as proof of the truth of her message. In other words, when the sun stops dancing and you get back to church, to work, to home, remember what's at stake when you pray the rosary. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. But um, we, we go over where. Conversation with Mike Aquilina, fellow Italian American, and 
most importantly, an amazing brother in the Lord and teacher of the faith. And his books are awesome. That's the understatement of the century. You know him well from his work at EW10 and beyond. And he has this beautiful series entitled Fathers of the Church. The website is fathersofthechurch.com. And now there are two more additions to this, and he's going to tell us which saints are featured. Buongiorno, how are you? I'm doing fine. It's good to hear your voice, Teresa. Same here, Mike. All right, so let's talk. You've got so these these two are amazing, and it must be awfully uh, interesting for you. I mean, I know you know a lot about this because of your educational background, but I don't think we can ever learn much about the great saints, especially the two that you're featuring in in the uh, in the features that are coming up in the volumes. I find that a lot of people are interested in the early church, and, and, and it shows when they, when they have a chance to, to, to get an imaginative entry into that world, they want to know. I don't think any of, us, uh, any of us really want to go back to high school and have to memorize dates and find points on maps and do timelines and stuff like that again, but we love stories. Right. And what, uh, you know, my, my constant theme in my life and my writing has been that the fathers of the church don't belong to the class. Classroom. They don't belong to the academy. They don't belong just to the universities. They belong to all of us. They are saints of the church, and we call them fathers because they're real fathers to the church. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I did these stories, um, uh, these these books, to include stories and and to tell stories and to get people caught up in those stories imaginatively. Uh, they're real stories, though, from real people in real history. All right. So the next two volumes include whom? What well, the, the, the new ones are St. John Chrysostom and St. Athanasius of Alexandria. And I chose those two because they had a high level of adventure in their lives. So it really does make for a page-turner of a story. They're very important in terms of the development of Christian doctrine. You know, and they witness to all of the great doctrines of the Catholic faith from a very early time. And, um, and also because they're just fascinating people. You know, St. John Chrysostom had no filter, so he was always getting himself <laughs> into trouble. And he, he just kind of laid it all out there for you. And so people do find him interesting. They find him attractive. They find him very warm. How do you think he'd do on social media these days? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he'd be the kind of guy who always got himself in trouble, not because he was snarky, not because he was mean, but because he spoke his mind in an innocent way. And I think think that John really did not understand politics, and he was living in the parish church of the Empress. Mm. And so he would say things, and the Empress would think, he's criticizing me personally. That homily about makeup... That was all about me. And she would take it uh, seriously. She would take it personally, and she would stew about it until she was good and angry. And then she would scheme and plot about ways to bring down John Chrysostom. And eventually, it got him killed. Mm. All right, and what about St. Athanasius? Well, St. Athanasius, uh, you know, had the, you know, the curse to live in interesting times. You know, it was the first major heresy attacking the Church, the heresy of Arianism that said that Jesus was not God, that he was, he was a creature, a, 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 a good one, but just a creature. And, and Athanasius opposed that with all his might and main, and he would not compromise, so much so that one of the emperors who opposed him said that it was like Athanasius against the world. Mm. Well, he was willing to let himself be exiled. He was exiled, actually, for most of the years he was bishop. Many different exiles, though. He kept getting sent away, and sometimes he had to flee for his life. He was accused of murder. He was accused of theft. 
He was accused of sacrilege, all of these things that were actionable offenses, that were that were capital offenses, and uh, and he could have been killed for any of them. So he had to flee. So I have lots of lots of chase scenes in there. <laughs> Talking with Mike Aquilina and FathersOfTheChurch.com. Next two volumes from OSV's series, our Sunday Visitor series, St. Athanasius, as you just heard, and St. John Chrysostom. Now, what I find interesting, what you were just describing, you were talking about uh, St. John and, and the fact that he was very outspoken and, and you know puts the truth out there. You hear about St. Athanasius uh, being persecuted and obviously St. John being persecuted as well. What they went through, maybe it was more severe in terms of actual physical persecution, but what we're seeing now, even right here in the United States, with people with pro-life views, uh, for you know, oh, yeah. so many people being put behind bars for various reasons, or people being canceled, all because they're speaking the truth. Maybe some don't speak it as well as they should or as clearly as they should, but this whole idea of free speech, we had the farmer in Michigan, for example, who, thanks be to God, after a six-year court battle, has now won a major victory, but he was basically ostracized and financially mm-hmm. persecuted, kicked out of a market where he had yeah. been selling his products for many years, all because he said on Facebook, no, we do not allow same-sex marriages on our property because he has a big farm where they allow people to have, have weddings. And so we're seeing this same kind of thing, maybe not as severely yet, unless you look at places like Nigeria, right? But this is, again, Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun. Well, yes, I, I do think that there are more uh, martyrdoms going on today than there were in the, in the time of the ancient church, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that people are dying for the faith at a higher rate. They're out of sight, and so they're out of mind. They're on the other side of the world. We don't notice. Uh, and in our own country, uh, well, this is the way it begins. It always begins this way. It never begins with, uh, you know, a, a spectacle of you know, some, some grand persecution. It always begins by the confiscation of property. That's the way it was in the Roman Empire. Confiscation of property. You don't get to apply for the job you want. You know, we put uh, some pressures on your family and all of that stuff. You know, it just, it, it gradually heats up. And, uh, and then you find yourself in these situations where you're, you're running from the law. Uh, that's, that's what happened to these great fathers. I think their lives are object lessons for what we're living today. We can find the applications. Uh, we may find a rather exact analog in our own time. I hope we don't. I pray we don't, because the fathers themselves always prayed that those persecutions would go away. Mm-hmm. So how do we use them as guides for us? Because what I love about the saints is, as I just said, when you look at their lives, there's so many similarities in, in, throughout the centuries in terms of what they're facing, especially when we look at the early church. Because I truly believe, and this keeps coming to me in prayer, that more and more we're going to, as we say, as Al Crest always says, build the church and bless the nation by relationships, by communities, yeah. by one-on-one evangelization, which is what the early church did. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are a couple of ways we do it. One way is by, um, is by reading their, their stories and learning the doctrine, because the doctrine is all wrapped up in an adventure story. Right. You know, when we see it in a catechism, it seems kind of cold. But when we see it played out in a life, man, it's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's what we want. We want to have that kind of passionate faith that they had. And we can learn that from them by reading their stories and, and imagining ourselves in that place. That's what we do when we see a movie, when we read a, a story in a book. We, we kind of sympathize with the protagonist. We, we put ourselves in that, that character's place. And that's what we do when we read the, the lives of the fathers. The other thing is, is just by, by looking to them as models, the way we would look to our dad. You know, even now in adulthood, whenever I think of myself doing something, coming to a decision, 
I think of my dad in that place, and he's been gone for years now, yeah. decades now. But I, I imagine my dad doing whatever it is that I'm about to do. And I think that's what that's how the fathers function in the church. You know, they, 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 they provide these models for us. So we can, we can look at their story, and we can see how we would fit into that story and how we might apply the lesson today. Fathersofthechurch.com, speaking with Mike Aquilina. Okay, two questions. The first one yeah. is, how did you get interested, I don't know if I ever asked you this, in patristics, study of the church? Oh, fathers. my. Well, you know, when I was a little kid, I read a book on how Heinrich Schliemann, the archaeologist, discovered Troy. You know, he just put his shovel into the ground, it seemed, and he found all of these treasures and, and all of these grand structures, and he, he solved the mystery of, of the Odyssey and the Iliad. And, and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be an archaeologist. And then I, you know, as I got older, I found out that what archaeologists do is actually pretty tedious, and uh-huh. most of them don't make great discoveries. So I wanted to do that kind of digging into antiquity, uh, but, but, but do it in a way that was more congenial for a, a lazy guy like me. And so I read a lot of books on, on early church history. And uh, next thing I knew, I was writing about it all the time because, because uh, it consumed me that way. All right. So what does it mean? And how does one get the title of church father? Well, generally, uh, it's, it, it, there, there are four characteristics. One is soundness of doctrine, right? That their doctrine has to be with the Church. Um, another one is holiness of life. Most of them are, are, can, are canonized saints. They're on the, on the calendar. You know, you can find them there. Third is, um, is Church approval. Are they cited as authorities in church documents like the Catechism or like papal encyclicals? And the fourth thing is antiquity, you know, that they lived in that first millennium. Uh, Usually uh, it's considered from the first century till about 750 A.D. So if they fulfill those four categories, well, then we call them fathers of the church. And so not all fathers of the church have, uh, are called doctors of the church as well. There are some, but they're not automatically doctors of the church as well, correct? That's right. That's right. The doctors of the church are special teachers that are that are are seen as exceptional in church history because of their their influence on the life of the church. So um, so not all of the fathers were doctors. Some of them were were, were quite simple and they taught by their lives. Um, but uh, others are doctors, like Saint Augustine. Well, I was just going to say Amber. Augustine, whom we had, and Saint Ambrose, who we had earlier this week, and I, I just love both of them. And Saint Augustine, oh, yeah. I think, is also someone to whom so many people can relate. Yes. Yes. And he was, he was in, actually in the first year of my, um, my Fathers of the Faith series. So how far? I mean, we've got over 10,000 saints. How many Fathers of the Church do we have? Because there's so many, I'm sure, additional volumes you could come up with, right? Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's no canonical list. Um, there's, no, there, there's no way of being canonized a father. But, uh, but the lists usually run to about 150, maybe a little bit more, uh, figures from the early Church. Now, when you think about it, that's over 750 years. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very elite group if you're considering you know, the better part of a millennium of Christian history. And we look to these 150 teachers as except, exceptional and authoritative and fatherly in the Church. All right, so who's next after uh, Antonatius and the Christostom? Any ideas? Can you well, give us a little scoop? <laughs> well, I'm still in uh, in conversation with the publisher about that, so so um, so I don't know. I have a list. I'm sure the publisher has a list, and we'll see where the lists converge and uh, and who we get most excited about excited about when we have the conversation. But the plan is to continue the series, Fathers of the Faith, right? That that's my understanding.
All right. Well, we would love that because it's great. Okay. So who, I have to ask you this. I'm asking you all these different questions that I've never asked before. I don't know why, but I'm just curious about, I, thank you for explaining how you got interested in Protistics and also how you got started in this. So your favorite, do you have a favorite father or a favorite saint in the church? <laughs> yeah. You know, it varies from, from day to day and week right. to week, but, but most days I'd say, uh, the, the guy who racks up the most days is St. Ignatius of Antioch because he's ah. very early in church history. You know, he's writing about 107 A.D. He knew the apostles, and he wrote seven letters that we still have today. And in those letters, we can see what parish life was like in that first generation after the apostles. It's an amazing window into that world, the world where the, the church was persecuted and the faith was new, and it was arriving as a novelty in these cities, and people were still saying, what the heck is this? So it's, uh, it's pretty... Um, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting to read his letters, and he was a wonderful writer, and he expressed himself very well, and he was a great soul. You know what I like about these books, too, is they're not too big to take on. I mean, we're, we're all busy, and, and I mean, I, I get so many wonderful author preview books, and we just got the example that your two new ones from the volume for, from the publisher sends it to uh, radio hosts and journalists. But I love it because they're, they're literally packable. You can take them to work with you. Yeah. You can stick them in your purse or your briefcase, and you can get through them, I think, fairly quickly. And in your case, you can take them on a plane for a long plane ride. It's, it's just about <laughs> enough to read during that long plane ride. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, what, I, what I try to do with this is, is tell a story, get to the point. Tell a story and get to the point. I'm not, I'm not there to bog people down with a lot of footnotes or a lot of information. You know, I want them to, to know who this person was, what this person said, what they stood for. Amen. I, I, I love the saints, and, and I think it would go searching all over the place or answers as to the problems in the church, and we have over 10,000 saints who give us so many examples yeah. and real concrete ways to really, as we always say, build the church and bless the nation. Michael, you're amazing. Thanks for this. Check out the new editions, the two new volumes at Our Sunday Visitor, and it's fathersofthechurch.com, and all the books are there and much more. We'll be right back on a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connections to let you know what's coming up on a Friday. Stay tuned. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. What if you moved more? Could this change the course of disease? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Dr. James Hicks of the University of California says that exercise not only helps prevent disease, but it can actually alter disease trajectories. If you are able to move in some way, you can move more. Even seated, just move your arms and legs more. That's adding cardio to your life. If you add lifting a few weights or using bands, this can help. I said help prevent major diseases. Don't forget counting gardening, walking a big box store, bike riding, and even dancing. We are encouraged to add 7,500 steps a day to our life. One day last month, I fertilized the lawn, weeded the garden while listening to great Catholic content, and walked the dogs twice. I got almost 10,000 steps in before 3 p.m. If I can do it, so can you. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. 
The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the Rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Tomorrow, a brand new month, September begins. Enjoy this last day of August and be safe if you're impacted in the areas by uh, Hurricane, now Tropical Storm, Idalia. Coming up tomorrow, Doug Keck will be joining us for our Inside Word, all the great programming. We'll also get an update on a little bit more detail on the family celebration and how that went. And also Fact Check Friday. And then my amazing producer, Andrew, is working on all kinds of different stories. We always like to react to things in the news to help you address them in terms of what's going on in the Catholic Church and beyond, which is why we call this Catholic Connection. Again, stay tuned to all of our programs today, especially tonight on EW10 News Nightly and Raymond's show the world over for the latest on the hurricane and much more news in the church and again beyond. Have a great Thursday. Adomani, talk to you on September 1st, God willing. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.